0: Are you listening? Damn. Uh. Yeah.
1: Uh, well, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, or Kill Scythe uh, fans, to another episode of Cobra Talk. I am Robbie Mason, as I'm sure you all know me as the guy who makes too much noise and talks way too much during the Cobra games. Uh, and it is my absolute pleasure to be joined here by the coach of the MVL One Men. That is Peter Godfrey. Peter Godfrey, how are you, mate?
2: Good, thanks, Robbie. Thanks for having me.
1: Uh, it's good to have you. And uh, before we get started, I would like to just make a um, a quick comment, I guess, uh, and I, I apologise that there is no like contrasting-sounding voices for you to maybe get a uh, rest and relaxation. Two deep voices about to have a conversation here, so... Just wanted to make that noted uh, and uh, make sure everyone is going to be comfortable with that. Um, But, uh, yeah, Pete, it's good to have you here. Uh, I know that we're in the middle of lockdown number, whatever you want to call it, and uh, it's disrupted the flow of the season. But if we can go back to the start of the season um, and how you got all the Killside boys back uh, playing for the one team in the Killside Cobras, Uh, how was it getting everyone back and uh, how do you rate the – start of the season so far
2: thanks Robbie that's a that's a great question to to kick off to to get there we probably have to go back to the back end of 2019 I guess so when I came back to the club talking to Will and Mark and Mel and um, the aim was to not, not, get back to I guess the the full homegrown as a as necessarily a banner, but uh, they were definitely keen to see some Kilsyth guys uh, return to the club and get people back in the gym on a on a Saturday night and Sunday afternoon and all those sorts of things. So, I guess rebuilding the the roster started for me late 2019, and and I guess my my first I, I did a few things in parallel. Rob, one was just contact all the guys that had been there for the last year or, or, or so and have a range of conversations there um, and then I also quite deliberately uh, just, just connected with probably anybody that had been a Kilsyth local that had been around the Siebel team for the few years prior so in, in no particular order, guys like uh, Will Sinclair, uh, Michael Knoll steve o'brien i, I kind of knew what all those answers would be but i cast the net reasonably wide to see how that went and at the same time in parallel reached out to obviously benny ursic um, i had a bit of a route on where 80 tomato might have been geordie uh, Adnam who'd been at knox uh, I'd had a I'd had a loose conversation with Joel Marburgs. Uh, he he just signed to play his last year of football. So I guess the the short version is conversation with the guys that had been there on the roster prior. There was a there was a bunch of guys that the club wanted to get back. They wanted to get Geordie back from from Knox. Um, de- definitely wanted to see Mitch uh, get get an opportunity to uh, test himself out coming out of the VYC group uh, and those sorts of things. So. Um, there was there was then pretty much obviously the season that never happened. We'd we'd had an import come in. Uh, we still had Isaac and and Owen, of course, uh, looking towards the what, what 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 would have been the 2020 season. Uh, we all know it's a matter of record that that, that season didn't happen, and mm-hmm. so we we were pretty much looking to roll that roster over. We'd assembled a bunch of Kilsyth guys coming back, uh, you know, import a couple of other guys that had been around it, and then. Um, yeah, you know, for for different reasons that uh, that didn't play out. Uh, some guys made different decisions uh, in December, and uh, again, Robbie, the rest of that is history. So, um, t- 20 to put the 2021 roster together uh, was a bit of a rollover. Sorry, I should I should say I've, I've uh, neglected one major piece. There was uh, Tim Lank. So, mm-hmm. Tim and I Tim and I have been connected for a long time uh, before he we went off to Stetson, and then when he came back and played some subal, and um, yeah, you know, we stayed we stayed in touch. Uh, quite regularly. I actually tried to get him to Hawthorne a couple of times when I was there, but uh, I knew you know, he only ever wanted to play at the Seville level But again once I'd, I'd recommitted and um, been appointed at Kilsyth, Tim was a priority to get back given that he'd already had 200 games on the wall. So, um, so again, he was an important part of that would have been 2020 So we pretty much looked to roll the roster over and then um, again a couple of guys made their own decisions in December So we uh, you know, just had to had to adjust to that uh, and then, you know, yeah, Joel, Joel had finished his last year of footy and, uh, he wanted to have another crack and Jacko Brazier was an amazing story. I actually, you know, uh, took a, took a cue out of one of your podcasts, mate, and, um, reconnected with Jacko and he, he was just an originally coming down to train and, uh, with, with a couple of trainings under his belt and with COVID, you know, his international stuff was on hold. He'd moved back to Melbourne and here we are. You know, and uh, you could tell within a couple of sessions that he he, um, he he was more than able to make his way back. So, uh, yeah, mate. Each one of the guys, um, you know, Corey Jeffs is another great story. You know, five years at Winona and then came back. I think he had a bit of a sniff around the the Siebel roster at 2018.
0: Yep.
2: Didn't play. Didn't play in 19. Uh, he was a, a priority call for me uh, to get back. He came back for the, again the season that, that didn't happen, and one uh, of the key guys to roll over and.
1: This episode of Cobra TV is brought to you by Red Ink. Red Ink are our official signage suppliers and are still currently open for business. Amazing turnaround, prices and quality and all manufactured locally in Bayswater. Red Ink, for your signage supplies. Getting getting great opportunities and making the most of them right now. Yeah, I do want to talk about uh, a lot of the pieces that you have assembled um, as a whole, uh, when you do look at the pieces that you have in the NBL one, how do you create a system, if you or, or or an offensive structure or a defensive structure that suits the capacity of each player? What goes through your mind when you create the basketball system that you have running?
2: Again, great great question. There's probably three or four ways you could tackle that answer. Um, so let me go to a couple of probably key philosophies for me, uh, Rob, as a coach, and particularly as a coach of senior men. And, and I know that it's a bit different, or probably a, well, a bit or a lot, you know, depending on the coach, but it can be different at junior level and at intermediate level. But, but as a coach of senior men at, at this level, my my overarching philosophy is what, what I call freedom within a framework.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Freedom within a framework. So um, guys at this level want to be coached, uh, but in my view, they, they don't want to be over-engineered, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. So, yep. we, we, I, I, So that's the first thing I'd say, freedom within a framework. The fellows hear me talk about four P's, uh, and it's not just because my name's Peter, but it it, it just happens to be four four P's. And those four P's are personnel, principles, processes and performance, right? So, key key for any team, assemble your personnel, we then spend time putting principles in place and then processes, and then obviously all of that's geared towards performance so if i take the second of those Ps, which is on point to your question rob around principles we have principles in place offensively and defensively as a team and then it's it's working within those principles with the individuals Um, so the other point i'd make around the freedom of the framework for principles is um, another thing i hold pretty dearly my role is to coach that team as distinct from Creating an environment for ten different guys, if that, or twelve different guys, or fourteen different guys, depending on your numbers, you know, depending on the size of your squad. So, any given season, uh, things can change. You know, guy might have a slightly different role one year to another, but the the principles and the processes and the framework generally don't alter. So, if I was to flip your question, you know, can you create a system offensively and defensively for ten or twelve players? No. You can create a system within which you hope that guys will uh, a enjoy it, b thrive, and and then perform, um, and and that becomes a, a, a circular kind of kind of process, if if you like. And I'm hoping that makes sense. To yeah, it does make sense. It, to the listener, yeah, it
1: does. It, it it definitely makes sense. And uh, one of those guys that you mentioned when you first got. The, when you were first listing your contact with everybody was Ben Ersich. And then in the second time, you set a change role uh, per, to perhaps year to year. And he is definitely one player that I've noticed that you have stepped up their game offensively in terms of running plays for him and allowing opportunities to score. Has that, has that been a conscientious decision on your behalf to... Make some make people like Ben. Is more of a scorer in the offense as opposed to what he has been under previous uh, systems. More of a lockdown defender. Has that been a conscious decision of yours? Uh,
2: absolutely. Um, and again, there's a, there's a couple of things happening there. Rob is um, Ben, uh, as we all know, lo- long time Kilsyth Junior uh, Kilsyth youth player was was probably just knocking on the door for a couple of seasons there of NBL development type spots uh, having had the benefit of coaching Ben previously as a, as a 20 and as a, as a youthy um, we, we know his ability uh, now admittedly I'd been away from the club for um, four years and, and Ben had been off to college and come back and you know you, you stay in touch I, again you know I'd, I'd be uh, kidding you if Ben wasn't a call that I'd made when I was at Hawthorne um, mm-hmm. but you know with, like, like Tim I didn't have the, the uh, preeminent league uh, on offer it was big V state champ and those guys you know right rightly so wanted to continue to compete at the Seville level so we've all known I think anybody that's been into a, into a Kilsyth gym and watched Ben play um, uh, he's long he's smart uh, he's fit uh, good two-way player and so this year particularly what, what, again what would have been 2020 but rolling into 2021 given that we are import free and you know some guys that were around it for a couple of years are no longer around it um i said to both ben and corey for that matter uh fellas this is this is your year this is your year Mm -hmm. we we i have a sense of what you're capable of i think you guys do too in your in your heart of hearts and in your core so let's let's figure that out and uh again yeah we're only seven games into it um and you know stats are stats and numbers are numbers so so it's less about that but um you know, Ben and, and Corey, I think, are both reveling in in the opportunity and to see a couple of you know former juniors, youth players. They've they've had their own pathway. You know, Ben was off for two years, Corey was off for five. They've they've had their own pathways to to get to where they are now. But um, you know, they're they're starting two and starting three men in a in a very nice uh, rotation and and more than more than holding their own in the league. And I, and what we, are you haven't, your... we haven't seen the best of them.
1: No, I don't think we have either. Uh, what, are you, what are your impressions of players that come back from college? What, you, what, what do you notice
0: about them versus people who don't get that opportunity?
2: Oh, I think, I, I think uh, Rob, you could probably answer that question differently for every individual player. I still think it's an individual player thing. It probably depends very much on the experience that they've had. You know, how they've been coached, what what system they're in, did they play, did they not play, did they finish a full ride, did they not? Um, when you look at, you know, a whole bunch of Kilsyth guys over the years, whether it be Tim uh, Lang or Oren McMillan or Joel Narbergs, uh, you know, they, they, they've all had d- different experiences um, in, in the college system. I think... Um, you know it's again a generalisation because it can happen here as well if guys do the work they come back You know stronger often quicker um, because there's such a, an intense working environment here. I think If, if I, again flipping your question, I think a lot of guys that go over have the initial culture shock because of You know the Australian system we train a couple of times a week. You might do some individual work You might do weights. You might get up, you know shots a couple of times a week and and that's, that's a pretty good week, you know, for a local Australian kid. Um, but then they get over into the U.S. system and it's, you know, mornings, afternoons, evenings. It's, it's, the, it's the academic work. It's the, uh, the, the work on the body. It's the work on the skills. It's the film. It's, it's everything. Um, and so, you know, uh, we've also seen guys come back early and because it hasn't been for them. Yeah, so yeah. I, I think I'd struggle to generalize about yeah, you know, right. the college experience. but. Um, what well, I do know, and again, it's it's not the question you asked me, but uh, they come back without a. Uh, I think it's still called Hexmate, but they come back without a Hex debt, and I know um, that says a whole. That's you know that's that's worth its weight in gold.
1: I have I got one of those. I'm not looking forward to the next X amount of years paying that off. I'll tell you that. So, um, yeah, no, yeah, it's just a little. Just I'll just say this right now, Kilsyth juniors, you are listening to this. Make sure you know what what you want to do at university. So you're not wasting your money and you're wasting your time. Just need to make that clear, bring it up hextead. It's important. You don't think about it now, but you'll think about it in the future. Um, but uh yeah, in terms of in basketball, I remember I was maybe maybe about a month ago, I was talking to Zach Wershing, your uh, assistant coach and occasional rotational player who spots up and drains a three from the top of the key every now and then. And and he, he, he has a basketball knowledge far greater than I do, and knows much more about the X's and O's than I do, and it it became apparent during the conversation just how little I knew about the sport compared to a lot of other people. And I just wanted to know what your thoughts were in terms of getting people who maybe ravenous fans of the sport like myself and who really enjoy the sport, but to how how you would go about tackling the game from a technical perspective. The first thing that you would suggest to people to really dig deep into how basketball works as a sport at a high level.
2: Can I say this, Rob? Uh, and I'm, not just because I'm talking to you, but you know, for the listeners as well, you asked some uh, exceptionally insightful questions, right? So, um, and, and hard to answer too. So, the, the, the a good heart, I should say. A good heart. Yeah. Because, because of the depth of the question. So, let me let me go here. I think if and, and it might end up being a couple of other questions related, but I think um, I, I I would encourage anybody to if you're not already to, to become a student of the game. And, and I don't say that lightly. Uh, you know, to to this day, to to this day, um, and even last night, you know, watching the first final between um, Illawarra and, and Perth. Uh, I generally watch games on delay rather than watch them live uh, because I can just, I can sort of move backwards and forwards in the contest. So even last night, Rob, um, I've got the remote in my hand. I'm going backwards and forwards on plays. I I try and uh, even zero in on timeouts, Uh, you know, and it's not always watching the ball. It's, it's, a lot of times, watching what's happening off the ball. Uh, so, so I guess the point I'm building to is, I, I am still a student of the game. H- have been now for quite a very long, a very long time, and um, it, it, I think it's a, it's both a mindset and a, and a practice. Um, you can watch a game. You know, sometimes I don't have the remote in my hand. I just want to watch the game. I just let it, let it happen and let it flow. And, and whatnot, but given that we're you know we're in this sort of lockdown we're in a bit of a hiatus i've deliberately used the time in this two or three weeks where we've been off the practice court to do whatever i can to be as sharp as i can be when we get back and you know watching guys like brian gorgian and and uh, trevor gleason and um you know simon mitchell and those guys coach and and it's not so much about what they're saying it's about what they're doing and what their players are doing arising so a lot of words there, mate, and I apologise for that, but the, um, the, the overarching thing for me would be become a student and, and stay a student, and, and I guess the other thing, and my players hear me talk about this, stay humble enough to acknowledge that you don't know everything and, and you will never know everything, mm. and that's okay. That, that's okay too, mm. I should say. Um, and it takes a while, I think, for coaches to grow into that skin that it's okay not to have all the answers. I have the luxury, again, of being a senior coach where I can pause practice, which I do, and say, hey, fellas, what do you think? Is that, is that working for us? Will that work for us? Is it not working for us? Do, do we get rid of it? You know, and again, even in this 2021 pre-season and into the season, we've put stuff in and we've taken it out. And some things we are doing in pre-season we're not now doing in the season. And they're not all my decisions. They're not all my decisions. You know, we will we will huddle, we'll we'll pause. I've got some great IQs on the on the roster, uh, some some very experienced players, and I'm really comfortable telling the fellas, I don't know everything, and I never will, and I'm and I'm cool with that. I'm cool with that. So be a student.
1: Be a student. Be a student. Yeah, and I I guess you have uh, a terrific student. I feel on the floor um, given. Some of the chats that I've had with him post game, uh, Adi Tomada, who seems to have more of a, an extension of the coach on the floor uh, mindset, uh, with the ability to run that that lead guard or point guard or one, whatever you want to call it, um, just speak to what he's been able to accomplish so far in his return to Kilsyth, and uh, and just some of the highlights that he's been able to bring to the team so far. Yeah,
2: the thing with Adi and and it, i guess it, it sort of plays to your your earlier question as well, Rob you know when people arrive at the gym on a Saturday night or a Sunday afternoon, they see what they see and then that's great, they cheer us on, which we love, and then you know they head home and um those sorts of things what what take take eighty as an example what people wouldn't see or no, not wouldn't you couldn't possibly see um the work that eighty does away from. Practice. Um, I, I can't think of you know all the examples, but during 2020, uh, Susan, that wasn't. Uh, he he trained himself for, to run half marathons. Mm. So, uh, you know, a, a basketballer could be forgiven for going, oh well, hey, there's no basketball, season so I'll kind of just I'll sit around and I might watch some film and might lift lift a bit of weight in the garage and stuff like that, and I'll wait to see what happens. But uh, you know, he trained himself to uh, to be running half marathons. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's the first point I'd make, and then again, having because we were both away from the club for four years, I coached against him for three years, um, one at Knox when he was at Knox, and then the two uh, where he was at McKinnon. And so I've I've had the I don't know what you call it the misfortune, perhaps Rob, to to be on the other end of uh, of his progr- progress as a player, and a lot of that doesn't just happen at the Four hours of practice a week. You know, he, uh, again, student of the game, uh, looks after himself really well, is um, blessed with a uh, good IQ. Um, now, and again, Rob, I'm, I'm assuming that at some point one of the listeners to this podcast will be Malcolm Allison. And I think Mel Coast isn't. I hope so. I hope. Oh, no,
1: you better listen.
2: I think Mel Coast 80 isn't under 10 or under 12. So it, uh, Mel will never forgive me if I don't mention that. 80 uh, was fortunate to have the best coach ever to coach at the club uh, in Mel Allison as an uh, under 10 or under 12. And uh, Mel to this day claims all of 80's progress. So um, we're, we're all reaping the benefit of Mel's work with 80 as an under 10 or an under 12 kid.
1: So I, I, Mel's
2: a bit before my time.
1: What, was, what, was, what made him so good?
2: I'm a little bit tongue in cheek, but I think Mel, Mel was a player um mel's a bit knows a bit mel and i are a bit of, a few years apart so mel played uh to, to what level i'm not sure but again just uh i, I would and, and again mel and i speak quite regularly now still uh he's still a student of the game you know he, he'll ring me and have a chat about you know some things not just about wins and losses and and not about uh it's, a, it's actually often it's not about a win or a loss it's about what happened and what he was seeing and you know we'll, we'll just shoot the bruise so um yeah, it was a little bit tongue-in-cheek, mate. You, you probably, uh, I might have, my, my supple humour may not have come across, but uh, no, Mel, Mel claims a few of those lads, I should say, on the roster. Um, he, he coached a bunch of them, so uh, I think he was the best, uh, you yeah, know, best under-12 coach going around. Best under-12
0: coach
1: going around, Mel, you're here you're first. Uh, that's it. Um, in regards to, I don't want to leave anyone off the list, but, uh, we'll, I guess we'll get it to every player on the, on the team and, and towards what they're bringing. Um, but I remember when I was playing basketball, just sat down domestic, and I was playing pretty low leagues like C grade and B grade for the majority of the time, and I made an A-res team one time, and I remember I had the, the, the opportunity to play Mitch Dillmans, and the only time I ever played Mitch Dillmans in domestic basketball, and I thought that I'd made it as a basketballer, just being in the same court, Playing against Mitch Dillmans, and that was a funny little thing for me. Um, what do you think of how good Mitch Dillmans has become in terms of an overall basketball player? Because I find him one of the most exciting players I've ever seen at Killside Basketball, and I do not say that tongue in cheek. I mean that in full earnest.
2: Yeah, so again, great question. I think, um, so again, for the, the listeners, and particularly for the juniors, um, guys like 80. I know we've we've chatted about that, but I'll, I'll cluster him and Mitch together uh, for the sake of my next point. But then I'll move on because we all know that basketball is a big man's game. However, however, and I mean it's a, it's a very definite however from my perspective. There is always always room for very capable. Uh, no matter size doesn't matter. You know it's it's uh, size doesn't matter. Um, and Mitch and 80 are both classic examples of that so so let me dispense with that so if there's a, a junior out there listening to us that figures they may not they may not crack in my language six feet in your language probably Robbie you know 183 um, that's okay
0: six foot less than me
2: that's okay um, you know there's there's always there's always an opportunity uh, it, it, it takes a hell of a lot of a lot of work so that first point I'd make second point Mitch, Mitch um, separating him out for 80 for the, the combo because we've chatted about 80, but Mitch... So I, I hadn't coached Mitch previously. Um, I'd kept a very close eye on Mitch, uh, again, while I was at uh, Keelor and then at, at Hawthorne. Uh, I saw a couple of his VYC games, um, had, had a sense of, you know, what what he would bring to the table, and he was definitely one of the, the guys that the club had identified when I signed on that they wanted to... Uh, yeah you know, they wanted to make sure he had an opportunity and uh, I was more than more than up for that again given my kill pedigree myself and like all of the reasons I came back to the club was to actually you know see what I could do with 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 the local guys that were were good enough, and Mitch was clearly good enough so the other thing that people may not still realize is Mitch uh this is this would be his last year but he's still youth eligible mm. so he he could be playing VYC still uh but he you know he, he'd done enough there and and um he has swung down, I think, for one game just because they were pretty banged up to, to help them out. But he is a full-time NBL one rostered guy, and um, you know, bringing 80 back to the club. You know, Mitch is the, the designated backup point guard. Having said that, though, uh, if people were in the gym when we played Northwest Tassie, which was our last um uh, started both of those guys together, because what we've oh, yeah. seen, what we've seen, uh, is it's it's a nice combination. Um, depending on who we're playing and how we're rolling. But uh, there's, there will be opportunities where both of those guys are on the floor at the same time. Um, and then there's been a couple of games where Mitch, Mitch has just been outstanding in terms of backing 80 up. Um, I think the game that would spring to mind is probably Aubrey. Um, I, I, I don't always remember every game and every sequence, but uh, Mitch was really good in Aubrey. Um, and so for me, uh, our relationship is growing to a point where um, wasn't sure what I was going to get. You know, we've done sort of a couple of pre-seasons together. We had a few practice games and then, you know, we're, we're now, you know, only seven games into the real thing. Um, but my, my, I have, I'll, I'll reframe it. I have no hesitation, Robbie, in looking down a bench and calling Mitch's number. Good. And, it's, and it's not just to, gee, I've got to get 80 out. So what am I going to do? It's, Mm-hmm. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm making a sub actively to get Mitch, Mitch, Dillon, Mitch, Mitch in because he's quick, you know, he's, he's so hard to guard. Um, he's growing, um, and, you know, we've, we've, we're having a couple of chats a, a, along those lines, and um, I know my assistant coach, Matt Shepard, and Mitch have had a couple of chats. You know, Mitch, Mitch's growth as a point guard is, you know, to lead the group, to lead the group, and, and it's not always easy for a young point guard to lead men. Uh, that's that 's a growth opportunity, uh, but I have no doubt that, that if he sticks at that stuff, uh, I, you know that's my thing. I, I help uh, away from the court you know, that my whole kind of you know, leadership that, that's, that's, that's what I do so growing the, growing leaders um, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable in doing, and uh, you know in terms of his again classic student of the game, good iQ understands what we 're trying to do and when we 're trying to do it and uh, yeah I, I think again with with that whole group. Um we haven't seen the best of Mitch
1: either. All right. We have gotta go. I'm gonna lump two people in here at once. Uh the Internet Sensations, uh Joel Narberg's and uh Jackson Brazier in it together. They're the you know, the Vine Star, TikTok stars, Twitter set, Twitter phenoms. You know, I think they've both got blue checks on Twitter, so they're both verified, so I can say that. Um What are your thoughts on getting them back to the club? Uh sort of your swing tough gritty can score shooters, defenders, just all-rounders, aren't they, really?
2: Absolutely. I've, I've called this out in the locker room a couple of times, Rob, both uh, pre-season and in a couple of games. Um, and it probably smacks of it, – it, it plays to another one of my coaching philosophies, and, and you you probably would have heard this from me, when I was at the club first go around at sort of presentation nights and those things, I, I treat coaching as a privilege. Um, and again, it just helps me keep everything in perspective that um, co- coaching boys or men, or you know, even if I was you know, coaching girls or women, whatever the case may be, coaching, coaching for me is, is an absolute privilege. And um, I've, I've used that same phrase uh, in the locker room about Joel and uh, Jackson that coaching those guys is a privilege. Um, I'd had exposure to Joel previously because he was on the Seibel roster for my last couple of years there. Uh, Jacko had really just been one of those guys that you know, was playing for Rod in the youth group and then I took on the youth And when Jacko stepped up to the Seibel team with Kyle and, and that cohort. So I hadn't actually coached Jackson previously. And um, uh, so I guess the short version, mate, having those two guys back at the club is outstanding uh, having them on the roster is uh, is great coaching them is a privilege and how blessed am i to have i don't know probably about 150 Super games combined experience mm. coming off the bench and filling key roles you know jacko's a lockdown defender uh can get to the rim almost at will um joel well we all know joel high, high iq uh can still shoot the ball really well um, yeah he's a bit frustrated with himself in terms of just just getting back to where he wants to be but that's a work in progress you know we all had a year off and he'd been playing footy and you know he'd he'd worn the the rigors of afl football for what three years and we all know the toll that that can take on on the body Mm -hmm. and a basketball body is different to a footy body so he he's still doing what you know he wants to do to get back to where he wants to be but um Joel, joel and they're both what i would call um reasonably quiet leaders it might surprise you i mean i know jacko's a big you know huge personality um but on the on the practice court particularly they're just having quiet words with the younger guys uh they're just helping organize you know sets and systems and processes and they'll they'll drop a, a little pearl of wisdom in my ear hey, hey pete what do you think about yep good i like it let's do it you know those sorts of things so um yeah mate uh, again a lot of words there 150 several games uh coming off the bench in in key roles and um yeah, it's, it's, it's great. It's, and, 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 you know, the crowd, they, they bring people into the gym. You know, they bring, mm-hmm. Importantly, they bring kill people into the gym.
1: In isolation, are you just looking out on your lawn and thinking, that could do with a bit of work? Well, save your back, because our partners at V&V Landscaping are still open for business. If you need some beautiful landscaping done at your property or business, V&V Landscaping are the team for you. Call Otto on 0416 056 555. That's Otto on 0416 056 555 for a quote. V&V landscaping. Yeah. This is great. This is great. Yeah. Before we go down the list of players, you did say something that I've always been, always considered in terms of basketball. The whole time, a lot of people who know the game more than I do call it a process and there's a process to it. Is there a time during the season or during a a tenure of a group of players together where the process should be processed and you should be where you want to be or is it just always growing or is it 10 games out or as soon as the finals start, do you have everything sorted? Is there ever a time where everything's sorted and you're just nailing it out and everything is as precise as you would have liked it to have been? Does that ever happen or is it? always process 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 or is it all or, or is it never there if that makes sense
2: yeah, no question absolutely makes sense and and um, we should we should let the listeners know mate that we've both entered this thing without a script but you just you just happen to land questions that are probably uh, drawing on you know my top five or six things that i always say about basketball and now i've talked about coaching as a privilege i've talked about freedom within a framework i've talked about you know, some of those things in terms of um, my, my view. Um, and so you've, you've just triggered another one for me, Rob, and I use this one quite deliberately with anybody that will take it on board. Perfection can be the enemy of good. Right. Perfection can be the enemy of good. So if you are striving for, for perfection in our great sport, you, you will experience no end of frustration game in, game out, training in, training out, week in, week out. Ours is a game, and again, the guys hear me talk about this, ours is a game of imperfection. And so if you're chasing perfection, uh, you, you're probably on a slow road to nowhere, and, and it can be the enemy of of being happy and, and being comfortable with good. And and let me use a couple of data points um, as, a, as a demo there, mate. The, we, we all we all know or maybe the, the listeners, some of the listeners will know some maybe not so I can kind of break it down but what what at, at a at a global level at an international level at any level we say that that there's that magic rule of 50 40 90 so
0: so yeah, you if, if you're, 50 yeah, if from
2: you're, the
1: field 40 from the free throw 90 from the three
2: Yeah, and and so if you're a 50 40 90 player, at at, at your level. So whether you're in the NBA or the NBL or the NBL one or VYC or under, under 14, number three team, doesn't matter if you're a 50, 40, 90 player, you're among the best of the best. Mm -hmm. And and so if you think about that, if you invert those numbers and think about it, so you miss 50% of field goals that you put up, you miss 60% of three balls that you take, and you miss 10% of free throws that you take. So if, 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 we're trying to coach to perfection, which would be 100, 100, 100. You can imagine how painful that would be for you as a coach, for your players, for anybody that's around you, for your family, for your your, your friends, your spectators. Um, yeah. yeah, so coming back to your question, it, it, everything for me is, a, or not just for me, I'm not, I'm not alone here, but everything is a process. You want to see improvement. There will be bumps in the road, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I, again, I, I spoke to the fellows on this very point. Our last Tuesday practice before this current lockdown, we'd had that pretty tough weekend, and I said to them that performance isn't linear, fellows. You know, it doesn't go in a straight line, or it doesn't go. You know, the graph doesn't only go in one direction. You get bumps in it, and you've just got to. Then it's about how you manage those bumps and what processes you put in place to 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 manage those through. So. Uh, again, a lot of words there. The short, the short thing for me is everything is a process. It's a constant process. There'll be bumps in your process. And uh, again, I'd make the point probably for the third time: if, if uh, perfection can be the enemy of good.
1: So perfection is the enemy of the good. So you're not. But I don't. think It's not a good team that wins a championship. It's the great team that wins the championship. How is a great team produced?
2: Yeah, the great team, the great, the good, good team versus the great team still wouldn't be perfect. So if I stayed on that point right. for a bit, it wouldn't be a perfect team, no team is perfect. A a great team, um, again, differentiator for me, I guess for the sake of our conversation tonight, Rob and for the listeners is, um, they're, they're, the, they're the intangibles that can often go with a great team. And a great team doesn't necessarily mean a list of names on a roster. Um, there are nuances in teams, and, and this is where I'm I'm able to draw I, I draw pretty heavily on some of my leadership development and leadership kind of coaching background to to try and unpack that a bit with um, in in terms of how we go about what we do and how I communicate with with the players and and those sorts of things. So, um, great teams. And I've been fortunate to coach a couple of great teams, and uh, a couple of those were at Killside, and um, if I if I use those teams as examples, what made them great, and, and therefore, not therefore, but great teams and championship winning teams was a couple of things that you just can't buy. They played for one another. They suspended their own kind of egos, and their own desire for you know their own stats, and their own court time, and all those sorts of things. So they made sacrifices for, for the greater good um, and played for one another and bought in, you know. Um, and I've, I've talked earlier that, you know, I'm a student of the game. Um, it's never perfect. And, you know, guys might have different views about what we're doing on offense or defense or whatever. But at the end of the day, at some point, even if you don't agree, you've got to commit to it which is another one of my philosophies, you, you can disagree, but you've got to commit. If you disagree and you can't commit, that's a different conversation. But, you know, we, we can have a disagreement, but, but if we decide as a group, we're going in this direction, we're going in this direction, so you've got to be able to commit to that. So the great teams, I think, they disagree and commit, they, they, they buy in, they play for one another, they suspend, you know, whatever ego or whatever, whatever kind of individual stuff they've got, you know, at the door. And and again, from I think we touched on this really early in the conversation. You know, from year to year, the, the guy's role might change as well. And they go, I'm okay with that because I get where this team is this year, and I get what I need to do for this team this year. And that might be different to this team last year, and I'm okay with that.
0: Yeah. Mm.
1: So, I guess I'm someone who's had a, a different role this year uh, compared to what he's had in the past for kill size role is uh, Jordy Adnam, uh, uh, who started the season off uh, and is slowly uh, ma- is making his way into a, a, a rotation, which is really good to see. Uh, talk about Geordie Adnam and just uh, his development as a player that you've noticed, because you've had him for, at the VYC level where you won that championship, and I've got a couple of questions on that championship year that I'd like to ask you in a, in a bit. Um, but, yeah, Geordie Adnam, what do you reckon?
2: So, Geordie was uh, part of the two championship teams I coached there. First go-around, Rob, uh, the under-20 uh, state champs in um, 2013, and then uh, he rode the, the VYC team uh, when we were runners-up in 2014, and uh, we went on the, the hunt again, and we, we won it in 2015. So, George, I coached for the three years there. Um, as I said earlier, he'd gone to uh, – he'd had a stellar, I think we'd all agree, He'd had a stellar VYC career. Again, kept a, a really close eye on him. <laughs> Tried to get him to Hawthorne one year too, uh, unsuccessfully. Um, so, you know, he'd had a stellar VYC career. And then, you know, for whatever reason, he, he went to Knox for the year. Uh, he was on the list, the very short list of names that the club gave me when I signed on. They said, we, we want we want back. Uh, we want Geordie back. So, uh, again, to Geordie's credit, that was a pretty short phone call when I, when I rang him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could probably give you a version of it. Hey George, Pete Godfrey. Yeah, hey Pete, back at Killside. Uh Yep. You coming back? He goes. You want me? I go. Yep. He goes. Yep. And and that was it. So uh, so it was it was pretty pretty easy decision for for me to make the call, obviously, and uh, and obviously mm-hmm. reasonably. And I might be paraphrasing that a little bit, Rob. There was probably a few more sentences in there, but um, it was a pretty sure. I'm sure there sure
1: was. <laughs> if that was yeah. all the phone call was. I'd be
0: yeah.
2: shocked. Yeah. Well, well, I I've got to tell you. Um, that was pretty much how my call with Corey Jeffs went, but uh, really? al- almost verbatim. But uh, let's let's stay with George. And so, um, so I came back. Yeah, Geordie's Geordie's a uh, just a freak athlete. You know, he uh, I, I used to say when I coached him first time around. You know, he he does stuff. He does stuff that you can't kind of teach. Um, and so, Geordie's like a that, Geord-
1: like that baseline spin move. You know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah there's a few of us claim mm. that few of us claim that Mel Allison probably claims that as well. Uh, Land Landells probably claims it. I, I claimed it, I think, oh, when he was an under. 20.
0: Yeah.
2: I claimed it a bit, I think, when he was an under twenty. Yeah, that that sort of baseline spin thing. Um, so yeah, look, he he freak athlete. He, he can do things that you can't. You can't kind of teach. Um, it, Geordie's Geordie's situation, given given the emergence of Ben, and Corey, and then given the experience of of Jackson and Joel, he's in that. He's in that mix, right? So he's not competing with, say, Adi and Mitch for ball carrying responsibilities. He's not competing obviously with Tim or Deng, um, you know, in the in the in the paint there. So he's in that he's in that that sweet spot where, thankfully, you know, we're we're pretty deep. And so, um, you know, again, George and I have had this conversation, uh and George is, a, George is a, again, for the juniors listening, George is an outstanding example of a guy who said to me, um, Coach, I'll be, I'll be ready whenever you call me. And if it means there's, there's a couple of games I don't get in uh, and you call me in the next game, I'll, I'll be ready. Don't, don't worry about that. So, again, in terms of a guy prepared to suspend, because you know, we all want to play. Don't, don't, you know, we all understand that. Everyone wants to play, and I'm sure there's been those, those couple of games where I couldn't get him in. Uh, where he's absolutely wanted to be on the floor um, as as every player does but to his credit as a as a human as a as a baller as a teammate um, He's kind of gone Hey, whenever I get the call I'll be ready and so I think yeah. that the, the thing for our group is um, Unfortunately, we're in this, this hiatus again, but we were we were moving into this horror run of doubleheaders and so uh, to have that depth in that sort of two-three spot, uh, we would have seen, you know, a lot more of George. You know, he, he played a bit of late. Uh, he and he and Mitch were, were great, you know, in in, uh, in Auburn. I think if people listened to that game or watched that game, I think the commentators up there were calling him the microwave. He just he just checked in, and it was one of those games where, um, you know, pretty much I reckon he could have thrown it from half court with his eyes closed and it would have gone in. You know, he was just on a roll, and he's that sort of player. He is that sort of player. He could, he, he, again, at this level, he's the sort of guy that could, in fact, turn a game. You know, you could, you could rock Geordie in at a certain period in the game. Uh, he'll do something that's unscripted, that that is hard to defend, and it'll just, it'll get your team rolling, you know. You might be, I don't know, make it up, probably four down, six down. You go, right, okay, here you go. You're getting in for, go and spell Benny or, or spell Corey, whatever the case may be. George will get on a roll. He'll make a, you know. A spin move going baseline. He'll he'll make a triple from the corner. Uh, he'll get a deflection, and and away it goes. You know he's um, he's working on being a better defender as well, and I think that will that will absolutely help him take you know his game to that next step.
1: This episode of Cobra TV is brought to you by Life Care LifeCare Croydon. Life Care Croydon are still open for business with office and over the phone consultations currently available. Life Care have been keeping our MBL One Cobras healthy and on court for a number of years, and offer unmatched service and physiotherapy expertise. Stay tuned for our special Cobra Class Strength and Conditioning video series presented by Life Care Croydon. Yeah, I think in that explanation you raised an important point. Uh, I noticed, uh, you said you know you've got Ben and and Corey and Geordie and Joel and. and Jackson all playing for similar positions. And it reminded me of team like uh, AFL teams, like the current Richmond Football Club and the 3 repeating Hawthorne Football Club, uh, and the idea of intra club competitiveness, like where you get to a stage where you're a very good team. So, in the absence of complacency, you get a hunger due knowing that the team is so deep and the roster is so full that you are almost competing. Uh, Against the, the other team, but also competing against your teammates for the spot. Is that, is that a thing that comes into your mind? Is that a thing, or am I reading into things too much?
2: I don't think you're reading into things too much because I think that's a legitimate thing. And um, what I would say, and again, all the fellas, any team I've coached know this, my, my, my nirvana, Rob, my sweet spot is I would love a 16 man roster where everybody's competing. At every spot, and you have got sixteen guys on the floor every training night, and you suit your best twelve, and away you go. Now, there's there's a bit of dream, there's a bit of dreaming going on there at this level, uh, because guys won't sign on and be say, well, okay, okay I'm, I'm number fifteen or sixteen, I'm not sure I'm doing that. So, um, yeah. but from a from a a, a purist perspective, um, guys competing every night in every spot um, would be. Goal, and you know, obviously injuries happen and things happen, and you might be down on numbers of practice and and whatnot. But um, you know, if if I take your point and I kind of put it onto our training floor, if we've got you know Geordie uh, matched up on Ben, and you know Jacko matched up on Corey, and you know they, they they're going hard at it. Uh, because again, you know, you do most of your work on the practice court. So, mm. as as much as we can push, or not not we, as much as the the guys that might be coming off the bench can push the guys that are starting on any given week, that's that's gold. Um, so yeah, you really want. I, I think if 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 I contrasted that, there'd be nothing worse than having daylight between say your starters and your and your second group because you're not going to get the competitive edge that you need on the practice floor Again, mm-hmm. we're blessed with quite a versatile roster. Um, you know, the reality is any guy on our, on our group could probably start on their night, depending on who we're playing and how they're rolling. So to have, to have that on the practice floor is, is gold. So you, you really want, you want guys competing for time, for spots, because it makes everybody better. You, know, t- mm-hmm. you talked about process earlier. It makes you, it's a process. You, know, you, want, you want everybody getting better.
1: I I suppose that triggered another thing for me. Um, I was listening to, not sure if you follow mixed martial arts at all, but uh, in the UFC, there's a current featherweight champion, is Alexander Volkanovsky, and and he said something along the lines of he is more nervous and scared of practice than he is for the fight uh, because he's been through it all in practice and it's almost more traumatic and it's almost more impactful because he has to prepare himself for the most deep waters in the actual contest. Is that a thing that is necess- is also translates over in a basketball? Uh, do do you have to have that real intense practice mindset so that when game time comes around, you are ready for anything? Is I mean, is that something similar? Would you say? I,
2: again, ideally, yeah. It's 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 often hard to replicate. Probably, and that. Is probably the difference between our sport and and the and sport that you mentioned there. I think hard to hard to replicate full game conditions um, with with a, a squad of ten or twelve mm-hmm. because invariably you might be nursing one or two through an injury or a, or a, a minor kind of knock or a cork or something like that. So yeah, hard to hard to replicate. Basketball game conditions on the practice floor. I've, I've always found, and again, you've got to be okay with that to a point. Um, yeah, so probably a little point of difference there, I would think.
1: Um, no point of difference.
2: Yeah. Ha- having said that, though, you know there there are there are some matchups where, you know, for a few minutes at a time, there'll be some really good, you know, heavy and healthy competition, and and you encourage that. You know, you just got to be careful mm. and manage, find that balance between. You know, guys getting hurt yeah. on the practice floor. If you're going to get hurt, you prefer, it, you know, I mean, you never want to get hurt, of course, but you prefer if something's going to happen, you'd prefer it to be in a game as distinct from on the,
1: on the practice yeah. floor.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, I, that, I would agree with that. Uh, we'll go back to the players, I guess. Um, how about the impact of, of your being so far? Deng Riak, who's come into the club and performed admirably, if you ask me, and uh, Tim Lang in his return has have been sublime. What are your thoughts on, on their play so far this year?
2: Yeah, so again, uh, each of those guys has definitely got their own story because they're probably, well, they'll be 10 years apart age-wise. Um, so if we start with Deng, again, for the listeners and, 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 and probably for the kids, Rob, um, again, you know, I'm, I'm really happy to sort of have this conversation with you because I, I can get out a few of the backstories that I think, are good for people to know. Um, I you know, think
0: they,
2: so too. Every one of these killcough kids has got a, a backstory, and yeah, you know, when you when you watch them on a Saturday night, you you just you just can't know that. In fairness, so so again, message for the kids listening: you never know who's watching. So let, mm. let me let me progress that point. I coached against Deng when he was an under twenty. He was playing at Werribee, and. We, we, had a, we had a really good year that year. We didn't lose a game in the regular season as a group, and we ultimately won the championship. However, we did lose uh, in double overtime, a crossover game in the grading phase at, uh, at the under-20 level. It was only our only substantive loss for the year. Uh, we dropped a couple in the pre-season tournament, but you don't really count those. So in the actual kind of organised VJBL thing, we only lost one game. And it was a double OT loss, to Werribee, and Deng was on that Werribee roster. Mm-hmm. So if you leap forward to, uh, I'd be guessing, I'd be guessing, uh, mate, I don't know, late Jan, Feb, from, from memory this year, uh, Deng was in Africa, and he reached out, just a random reach out, hey coach, you know how's it going, basically, and uh, we, we kind of got into a conversation from there, and I reminded him of that game. And he, he hadn't actually made the connection, but I reminded him of that game. So uh, I said, man, I, I absolutely remember you. And I told him why I remembered him, because he was instrumental in the 002 loss against Werribee. So, um, again, message is, you, know, you never know who's watching and you never know kind of what, where, where your paths might cross again would be probably the message there, Rob. So, um, so yeah, long, much longer version of the story short. Uh, Deng and I had had some back and forth. Uh, you know, we we wanted to create an opportunity for him at, at Kilsyth. Uh, he was he was keen. He had a bunch of offers. Um, I don't know all the clubs that were involved in that. I know a couple, which you know I, I won't mention here, of course. But uh, he had a bunch of NBL one offers, uh, both here and interstate. And through just you know series of conversations and you know, understanding each other a bit, and me understanding how what sort of situation he wanted to get himself into. Uh, him understanding a bit about you know me as a as a, as a human and as a coach, uh, understanding a bit about the group we were trying to assemble. He um you know we, uh, you know again history shows we we secured him at Kilsyth and um, he's been good. You know, he's been good. You know, he uh, he he hadn't played a whole lot after Akron. Uh, he'd had the Afro basket thing. He spent a little bit of time in Lithuania, um, bit of injury. So again, like us, but for different reasons, he'd been off the floor for a bit. And so uh we absolutely, absolutely haven't seen the best of Deng. And cool. uh, but again, you know, six ten can shoot the three is long. Um I'm sure he won't mind me, me mentioning it here. And again, message for I guess the, the younger guys listening, or younger younger players I should say, listening is um uh you know, I asked Deng could I speak to his head coach at Akron? And he, he didn't flinch. He said absolutely, here's here's his number. So I I spoke to his um Head coach at Akron, and the overwhelming message from Deng's head coach at Akron was the guy's a competitor, and Deng will do things that a lot of players won't do to help his team win. So mm-hmm. sometimes they're not immediately evident to to people that you know, might be sitting in the stands, but um, yeah, he's, he's, he's a pretty quiet dude, but uh, flat out competitor, and the guys are, the guys who embraced him. Uh, he's embraced kind of the the kill side. Of culture what we're about uh it's fitted in really nicely and and um yeah seven games in we 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 definitely haven't seen the best of him and and we also worked out you know in another wadding game that he can defend smaller and quicker uh he can go long he can block a shot uh can shoot a three um and he, he just wants to get better he just wants to get better so
1: which is great how about Tim Lang? How about uh, having him back at Killside? What's that been like?
2: Uh, well, again, he's he's in that the Joel Jackson category, uh, you know, plus plus. So for me, as a coach, to have uh, you know Tim, well, depending on the, on the shape of this regular season, Rob, but Tim Tim will be give or take by the end of this season, he'll be three hundred. Seaball games, or yeah, you know, slash NBL one games played. If you add uh, what two or three years in the NBL, if you add season in Germany, if you add yeah you know, four years at Stetson, you know, Tim's probably a five or six hundred game you know senior player. Mm-hmm. So to have a five or six hundred game senior player on your roster, I, I don't care you know how experienced or inexperienced you are as a coach. That that's an that's an absolute blessing. Um, mm-hmm. High IQ, great leader, good good human. Um, uh, uh, is happy to invest time with the younger guys. You know, he, he's often coaching the, the scrimmage huddles, um, from a player's perspective and from a big a big man, big player perspective. You know, in terms of the nuances of ball screens and, you know, court positioning and court spacing, uh, completely bought into what we're trying to do. Was happy to come back to the club to help that process along as well. Um, yeah, Tim, 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 and I have a have a bond. You know, it's that boy, boys, boy, the man thing, boys to men thing. You know, so I knew Tim as a nineteen-year-old before he we off to Stetson, and now he's a thirty-five-year-old man, give or take, with um, you know a couple of kids and married. And you yeah. know, I was Meryl and I and my wife were, we're privileged to get invited to uh, you know his and Jess's wedding. So yeah, we're, we're bonded, you know, beyond question and and well, well beyond the court. Um, so yeah, can't speak high enough of, of Tim. Uh, and what he's doing and and trying to do, for us as a group, and none of that, Robbie, none of that. And again, probably a great message for coaches and players that are listening. None of that is about stats. Mm-hmm. You know, um, his, his stats will come. You know, he's a he's a six foot. You know, the, <laughs> again, we talked about Mitch and eighty, right? You can't you can't teach height. You can't teach height. And you can't coach height. So no matter uh, no matter what, Tim is still six ten, and it's only when you're kind of walking beside him in a in a non-basketball environment you realize how big that dude is and uh yep. can you imagine coming off a ball screen with him with him setting it mate?
1: nope i don't want Fright- to do that
2: frightening experience
1: that's okay. why i that's why. I, that, that's why i'm a court announcer i don't want nothing to do with it <laughs> nothing to do with it that's <laughs> that's above my pay grade i'm not interested i I just, I just talk for a living that's all i do so no i'm not sorry tim never set a pick on me i'll just i'll just go the other way you should Um,
2: should come down you should come down to practice one night just to feel it mate just feel it once in your life just to feel that
1: i i i used to be i used to train uh kickboxing and i've been hit too many times in the legs and i'm 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 done just i do my i do my yoga i lift weights that's enough for me like i've got to give this body a rest um but I, i digress we don't really it's not about me um but I, I I I do want to talk to you about your time elsewhere outside of Killside. It was Coburg before Hawthorne, was it?
2: Uh, no, Kilo. Sorry, I spent a year Kilo. Sorry,
1: Kilo, Kilo, yeah. Kilo, and then it was Hawthorne. What was it like? Was it fun? Did you enjoy it? What were the stories like that you could go there? Oh,
2: you know, how do how do you condense four years into a couple of sentences? Um, uh, d- did i enjoy it absolutely uh, you know i mean i'm a i'm a i talked about being a student earlier maybe you know, I, I, I love this game I, i'm in my i don't know robert lewis count I, I started playing in 1974 so the listeners can do the maths there whatever year we're in um and i haven't missed a year led anymore.
1: zeppelin was still releasing albums then for yeah. those of you who need a, a, a reference point it's a long time ago
2: yeah it is a long time ago and in some way, shape, or form, I haven't missed a year. Now, admittedly, a few of those years I was probably just spectating at NBL level, but um, but I, I haven't missed a year of involvement in basketball since 1974, and um, and so no matter what I'm doing, you know, and I coached I coached my eldest grandson's grade six hoop time mate a couple of years ago, and loved it. We went we went I think nine and one. You know and again it's not about the win loss right and people would go you know, i said that a couple of ago you, you coached grade six primary school hoop time i go yeah and i go well you, you know again you know you've done all this other stuff yeah well that's that's it's just it's the game right you guys you, you take your opportunities and you know there was an opportunity and you love to- it
1: what's what's more important than loving what you do like that's so cool absolutely absolutely so um
2: yeah mate again, you know each the, the Kula was just a, a a one year and done, and then I, I got an opportunity to coach hawthorne uh, the state champ men there for for three years and and again, it's it's and I spoke about this when i when i I spoke to will and Brett and Mark um, you know by way of interview for to come back to killsyth. you know I, I um Hawthorne wanted a three year plan, and I thought that was really refreshing. so i signed on for three years and I gave them a three year plan. Mm -hmm. Uh, Hawthorne were a season away from being relegated. And the history books will show that we had a a sub five hundred season my first year. And then the next two years were a basket away from making the championship series. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I got an opportunity there to basically take all of my sort of I guess the philosophies and the principles and and test them all out in, in real time. You know, put a three year plan in place sell that vision to the guys, bring them along. Uh, We've, you know, a couple of roster tweaks here and there, a bit of recruitment here and there with imports and those sorts of things. So, um, as a, again, you know, stepping off my my stuff earlier about being a student, mate, great, great, great learning experiences. Um, I I learn something every every year I coach and some, not just every year, I should say, probably every week uh, that I coach. So uh, again, you know, good, good groups of guys um, have made some, uh, you know, great connections. There are still there'll be players there that I'll still be in touch with, you know, when I'm done coaching and I'm an old man somewhere doing something or other. There, there's guys that you form bonds with and you form relationships with it that 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 um, transcend uh, the hardwood, uh, you know. Yeah. So yeah, mate. Good, good. Good. You know, I'm a better coach for those experiences. I'm a
1: coach, but... You're sitting at home all day in isolation. What do you do? You grab some fresh gear from Hoop to Hoop, our official uniform and apparel supplier, and Spalding, our official ball partners from the Cobra's Locker Room online store. Receive 20% off all orders over $100 for a limited time only. Visit KilsythBasketball.com.au forward slash store to check out our great range of gear, balls, mini hoops, and more. That is hoop-to-hoop and Spalding. Absolutely. In terms of experience as a coach, let's talk about, This was 2015 against Danny Nong in the BYC program. If my memory serves me correctly, I don't have a script. I haven't looked at any stats before this. I believe heading into the fourth quarter, Killsworth 48, Dandenong 58, down 10 on the road in a championship game. And you came back and you won that contest. A, how did you do it? And B, what did you say to the boys that galvanised them? Uh, That's, I I
2: wish, you know, again, one one of the things I wish as a coach sometimes that you did have, you were mic'd up for some of your stuff. Yeah. Um, The unfortunate thing is I I, I don't think I've ever been mic'd up for anything. So um, I have no recorded history history. Um, other than yeah, you know, you, sorry, video recording, but there's no no. So what did I say to them precisely in that three quarters? You time? wouldn't
1: you, you wouldn't have it. You wouldn't know exactly precisely, but, uh, but what? Well, yeah, what do you reckon?
2: Yeah, I, well, I, what I reckon is um, if you go back, our our overarching philosophy that we'd adopted, and we we felt that we'd earned the moniker. Um, over those couple of years, uh, and you might remember it, Robbie. because Can I guess count- what the
1: moniker was? Yeah, go. Was it Ubuntu? Well, that sorry, that was one
2: of them. Um, right. Absolutely, that was kind of what we'd all bought into, uh, and that's 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 definitely um, definitely a conversation. But the 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 label that we detached to ourselves was was grinders, as in
1: yes, um, I remember that.
2: Yep. We, we're always in a contest, right? We, we if we have to grind yeah. it out, we will. You know, again, I, I don't have any stats in front of me, Rob, but many, many of those games, 2014, 2015, we won by six points or less, and they were grinds. You know, we, we've never been; we were probably never really pretty to watch. But again, one of my core philosophies is, you know, de- defense is key. So, for, for coaches and for for junior players listening. Um, the guys know any guy that I've recruited, uh, any guy that I, I try and coach, uh, you've got to love defense as much, or almost as much, I should say, as I do. Um, I've got a couple of guys that probably love it more than I do, but um, yeah, you've got to be able to defend. And so we won a lot of games playing defense. Um, even this year, you know, with the NBL One group, we we beat Nana Wadding playing defense. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so so um, I, I would imagine in that three-quarter time huddle. Given that it was a ten or eleven point margin, we we would have talked about our grinder mindset that we're never out of a contest fellas. You know, we we weren't rolling that well, and Danny and I remember we were rolling pretty well. Here's the other little thing, and I've, I've told this story a few times. Is again, particularly for players that are listening, you might be number ten or number yeah, in our case, you might be number twelve on the roster. And I talked about Geordie earlier, just saying to me, hey, coach, whenever you call my number, I'll be ready. Uh, We had a guy on our roster that year. Um, That year, Rob, 2015, we didn't run an under-20s team because uh, Rod Rod Pop thought we didn't have the personnel. So we didn't run an under-20s. So there was only one guy around it that that we kept around it uh, who graduated out of 18s, I think, from memory, that was there or thereabouts in terms of the VYC level was uh, Andy Booth.
0: Mm,
1: I'm a bandy.
2: So freak athlete, you know, absolute freak athlete, um, decent baller. Uh, however, you know, he was a, a, a very young guy playing on a very young VYC roster and happily assumed the number 12 spot. Now, again, from a coaching philosophy, my, my thing, and I used to say this to the fellows, I can hear myself saying, it, that if, if, if you were presented a, a singlet at, at the start of the year, my belief is that you can play at this level. Now it mm-hmm. doesn't guarantee you minutes, but it says to it says to you from me that you can play. We just got to figure out when and where and how that is. And so Andy, to his credit, you know, did everything that I've expected of mm-hmm. him on the training floor. He'd played enough minutes during the course of the year where he knew he could get his number called. He didn't know when, but he could get his number called. And in that in that three quarter time huddle, um, I looked at him and I said, "Hey, mate, you, you're up. You're up. You're in." So he checked in at. Uh, the three-quarter time mark. I'm pretty sure the stats suit would show that was his first minutes that game. Now the, he he did get a little bit off script, but we we put him in because he, he was a freak athlete. And his instructions were: you'll love this, and, and the coaches listening will absolutely love this. His instructions were: Andy, get to the basket, get to the basket. No worries, coach. I'm in. Uh, his first touch, I think, was a a three a corner three. And the video will show you, Rob, that the corner three skimmed off the backboard and went
0: in. Yeah,
2: It skimmed off the backboard, like sideways. If you can picture a guy taking a corner three and the and the ball yeah. skims the board and goes down. But it was enough. It was a made three for a team that was 10 or 11 down. And, mm. you know, you, you could just feel it lift. Uh, I remember distinctly, as you said, we were at Dandenong, but we had enough kill people there that they converted – and a wake crowd into a home crowd in a heartbeat. Yeah, yep. And the boys got up and about. I can see um, Benny, Benny getting to the room. I can see George getting to the room. Uh, you know, eighty running the show. Um, and forgive me, fellas, if I've left somebody out there. But mm-hmm. but you know, Andy's skimmed three ball from the corner, um, got us rolling, and he was ready. The important thing was that he was ready. Um, the other little story there again. I think it's important for players. AD Tomato reminded me of this only a few weeks ago. We had another guy on our roster that year, uh, sort of a, a, a big or backup big, you might say, uh, Kel Davenport.
1: Oh Cal Davenport. I yeah, love him. Kel
2: Davenport. Now now AD reminded me that we played the, in the preliminary final, right? So the week before the week before we played Danny Long in the final, we played the preliminary final at home against Knox. Went to OT, classic Kill knox encounter, one of the best I've ever been involved in. Uh, we won it, you know, History Book Show, we won it, and we, we advanced. Now, 80 AD reminded me that Kel didn't play a minute, not a minute, in the preliminary final. And I started him in the championship game. And so, again, the message for the players is kind of be ready. There's no time to get ready. You've got to be ready. Kel, for whatever reason, and I can't remember why, he wasn't right for Knox, but he was absolutely right for Dandenong because they had a couple of bigs. Uh, Mason Peetling, right? Mason Peetling, who's running around with United. Uh, Mason Peetling was on that roster, and uh, they, had a, they had another big. And uh, so Kel went from not playing a minute in the so, prelim final to starting in the championship game. Be ready. And he was I,
1: ready. Uh, yeah, I, I'd, I'd like to say I uh, kept Kel. Uh, I hope that the travel border opens up and you get to do your ski trip over in in New Zealand. If you have a listener to this, I hope that opportunity comes up for you. Um, I am conscientious of your time, but there are a few more things I'd like to talk about, if that's okay. Um, but uh, I, I, I I know that we've talked we've touched on him uh, slightly again and again throughout it, but Corey Jeffs is a man who I consider born ready. He is uh, in, in chatting to him a few weeks ago um, with Zach Malt as well, uh, he is a man who uh, is a basketball machine, a guy who has it. who's sort of like the terminator, if you will. There's a job to be done and the job will be done. Um, is that sort of your impressions of Corey Jeffs or you, or, or, or yours different?
2: No, no you're spot on. Uh, Corey, I'd had a little bit to do. I hadn't coached him, but I'd had a little bit to do with Corey before he went to Winona. Yeah, uh, he, used to run, he used to run a little bit with us at practice um, and uh, a little bit of sort of, you know, one-on-one, two-on-two stuff with Matt O'Hay, which Corey might have forgotten. But I, I distinctly remember uh, him being a, a competitor. I think he might have been an emergency on the under-20 state team or something like that, around about that time. And so, you know, I had a, had a memory of Corey, kept a, a bit of an eye on him when he was at, at Winona. And um, again, absolutely, I had a red-hot crack at getting him to Hawthorne when he was coming back. But, uh, you know, again, didn't play out, and that, that's fine. So, Corey, um, I don't think he'd mind me saying this, if if a coach could have a team of the Corey Jeffs of the world, and, and I'm, I'm blessed, you know, we've got a few of them, but um, uh, if, if you could if you could sort of bottle Corey in terms of skill, understanding, effort, uh, commitment, those sorts of things, um, you, you'd, you'd be coaching... Doesn't mean you win championships all the time, but you'd be coaching good teams every mm. year. You know, Corey's, Corey's a, a a good athlete. Uh and again, people don't see it. Corey works his proverbial off away from practice. Yeah. I think I think he's doing you know two or three sessions a week with Matt Shepard up there at PT Assist. Uh random plug there, Shep, PT Assist. Get yourselves up there, folks. Um, Assist PT. Assist PT. Assist PT, thanks for that. Um, uh,
1: him you, him know, and his she, wife Annette, they're fantastic.
2: Absolutely. Um, so, Corey's doing a bunch of work with Shep. Uh, you know, and again, he's been through the the college system. He understands what it takes to compete at this kind of level, and he loves it. Like, in terms of, you know, we, again, we talked earlier student of the game, process, passion. He loves it. He loves it. And and it shows in his, in his performance. And, um, Again, yeah, you know, we're import free, and you know, I, I wanted to kind of attack this season in a particular way, and um, he's he's reveling in it, and we, we definitely haven't seen his best. Definitely.
1: Talk to talk, talk to us a little bit about your life outside of basketball. Uh, uh, what what's the uh, Pete Godfrey like uh, who's not coaching?
2: Uh, pretty much what you see is is what you get, Robbie. I, my um, and and I don't. want the listeners to tune out here so i'll be really quick i've i've had a <laughs> I, i've had a i've had a 35 give or 35 year give or take ride right in uh sort of human resource management by and large you know large corporates uh senior gigs I, i've had a, a a good solid career outside of um outside of basketball basketball remains my my release it's my my mm-hmm. passion i say openly to people i don't and and i, I don't play golf i don't go to the footy i don't go to the races i don't well, I don't mind a beer, you know, um, but you know, I don't sort of go to pubs a lot. What, what I do, other than work and family, is is coach. You know, it's it's my thing. Basketball's always been my thing. So, um, but the 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 benefit for me is having mm-hmm. had the the leadership roles and that stuff. I get to translate a lot of the the HR stuff and the leadership stuff to my to yeah. my coaching. You know, I think um, I've said openly. I think being a, a a leader has made me a better coach, and being a coach has made me a better leader. So. Yeah, cool. yeah, again without without boring people crazy, man. Um, big corporates, HR roles, you know, senior gigs, big gigs. Uh again, I've loved every minute of that. I'm sort of winding out a little bit, you know, doing a bit less of the, the sixty hour a week grind. Um, mm-hmm. just picking and choosing some interesting projects and uh but staying in that sort of swim lane, yeah, people management stuff.
1: And and you're uh, a motorbike guy, aren't you? Yeah, big time. Yeah, that's that's what?
2: my preferred mode of transport. Um uh, you know, if if uh, people people know I'm in the gym because the bikes. If the bikes out the front, you know I'm in the gym. Uh, I say to the guys, if 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 there's no bike and you see me in civvies, it means that Meryl's driven me to Kilsyth bless her
1: heart. So, yeah. what what bike do you have at the moment?
2: I've got a couple. I've got a uh, Suzuki Bergman 400, and um, I've got a uh, Harley Davidson uh, 2012 Superglide Custom.
1: That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. What um uh, I suppose we should. Probably, you know, once again, I'm conscientious of your time and we've almost done uh, an hour and 20. Um, uh, I I do want to know a few more things. And that is, what would you say, I mean, we've talk, we've touched on this again and again throughout this, but what would you say to the juniors out there who do look at the NBL and they want to have that big Saturday night game in front of Nutterwadding or Knox in, in uh, Packed House in K1 and, you know, they want to hear the music at quarter time and their name announced and all that sort of thing. What? Well, what would you say to a player who has that aspiration on how to get there and how to get it done?
2: Uh, it, it, I guess there's a couple of ways you can go, and it might sound a little cliched, and it's not meant to because it's real. Mm. Keep, keep believing and, and keep working. Yeah. Um, and I say that, and, and even if we boil down those those big, big kind of headlines, Rob, because a lot of people would say that, if if you boil that down, and if you just looked at Killside and if you had the benefit of talking to any one of those players who's already got their their jersey on the wall, uh, male or female, um, 200 games or 400, whatever, every single one of those players will have their own story. So there's no there's no formula. There's no guarantee. Um, and every everybody's path is different. So you got to You got to keep believing that it's possible. You got to keep working. You have got to be obviously the best you can possibly be. And but what not? But and I would say, and I've had this conversation with a whole lot of uh, junior coaches and a whole lot of junior players that you might you might be in the again. I'll make it up, male or female. I'm, I'm sure Hannah and and Sam and those guys would say the same about the women's side of the program, you might be grinding away in the 16-4s or the 16-3s or the 18-2s and you might think, I'm never going to get there. However, you you could be. You could be the player that plays 150 or 200 NBL1 games. So I guess the point I'd make there, I wouldn't let the fact that you might not have been the best junior going around say, like, I'll, I'll never be a senior player because that's just not true. Um, and if we had enough time, I could quote you, half a dozen examples from around our, our very club. Of, And I've been obviously you know, generally associated with the, the men's side of the program. But you could find a bunch of players that have made it to the Saturday night with the court announcer and the lights and the music and their name called out, playing knocks or playing a Wadding, that weren't necessarily outstanding junior players. Mm-hmm. Um, the game is 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 the same game, but it, it's different. And what it takes to be a senior player is a little different than what it takes to be a junior player. So, so again, kids, if you're listening, um, keep working, keep believing. Uh, doesn't matter what what junior team you're in right now. You do the work, and a lot of other people will drop away. And you know those opportunities. Um, may arise. You know? I know Mark Mark does a bunch of work with a bunch of kids, uh, mornings and afternoons and school holidays and all those sorts of things and, and as I understand it they're, they're not necessarily just all the, you know, what you might call in inverted commas, the best kids um, and, and we've seen it Rob, we've seen it, you know, um, and there's, there's guys on our current roster that may not necessarily have been really gifted outstanding juniors but they've stayed with it, they love it, they've mm-hmm. done the work, they keep believing. They've taken their own pathways, and all the guys we've talked about, every single guy on, on our NBL1 roster in 2021 has got a different story to tell about how they got to where they are.
1: And uh, I, I guess you'd be forgiven to if you didn't say that. A little bit of luck helps too. So a little bit of luck helps too.
2: Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, right place, right time, um, and, and be ready.
1: And be ready. Uh, what are your expectations for how you might call the second half of the season when we get things kick-started. What do you uh, we want to do straight off the gate?
2: Well, uh, I was talking to, um, I was actually talking to Al Gautry just a little earlier before we chatted, and uh, we we just we're just itching to get back on the floor. You know, coaches want to coach and players want to play. So, um, so the first yeah, thing, mate, we,
0: we've
2: got to get the gyms open and uh, yep. get back get back into it. And we, we just got to pick up from where we left off. You know, we're, we're, you know again, without sounding cliched about it, we're, we're in a process. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't know what the next version of the fixture will look like, but what we do know is we'll probably have a bunch of double head weekends, probably even mm-hmm. more than the first versions of the fixture. So um, that's a both a mental test and a physical test. Uh, what we also know is the second half of the league Will look very different to the first half because there's a very long list of NBL players going to drop in uh, right around the country. You know, so NBL One North, NBL One West, you know, all, all around the place. NBL, yep. NBL NBL One South definitely. There's a whole bunch of NBL guys going to drop in. So every team pretty much is going to change shape mm-hmm. and change its look and change its feel. And um, you know, some of the teams, like if you take Mount Gambier, they will have been practicing right through our lockdown. If you take the Ballarat's and Bendigos, I'm sure yeah, they've
1: I, I, been. I, I hadn't have thought about that, but that's certainly something for sure. Yeah,
2: and even the, the regional teams here will probably have a week up on us in terms of uh, their ability to practice.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So, um, But, you know, again, you, you can only control the controllables, and we, we talk about that as well. So we, we just got to control, you know, how we get back on the floor, how we start to reapproach our business. Um, I, I've told the guys openly, I'm, I'm loving being back. I'm loving the group. Uh, they're a great group of humans as well as a good group of basketball players. Um, and they're having some fun and we're enjoying it, they're playing for one another, and, and you, you, you'd be seeing that even up in the commentary yeah. box, box, Robbie. They're, you know, they're, they're a good group of guys and uh, they're playing the game the right way and, and they're enjoying it, you know, they're enjoying it.
1: Is there, uh, is there anything else that you'd like to add, uh, anything, anything that you'd like to make a special mention of uh, at all? Is there anything that you'd like to add to this? I,
2: I'd, be, I'd be remiss not to not to just thank... Uh, anybody that's that's thus far has come to a game, because uh, I know, uh, you know, we're we're probably competing with a whole lot of other things that people could be doing with their Saturday nights or their Sunday afternoons, and um, there there is no place, there is no place to play like Kilsyth when there's people in the gym, uh, you have got Kilsyth guys suited up, uh, and and you just you can just feel the energy in the in the house, Rob, and and you're you're a massive part of that, so I should say thanks to you for the bits that you do uh, to get that to get that environment happening, but uh, yeah, a, a sincere and heartfelt thanks to anybody that's come out to a game thus far. Um, we're absolutely going to need you for some games coming up, and uh, we, we, we're hoping that we're repaying you know your uh, your attendance with again you know just just playing the game the right way and and being decent role models for the kids that come to games and the, the you know doing the night the, the team duty stuff and all that because we know it's a it's an ask for parents and and families and whatnot, but, um, yeah, it, it doesn't. And again, I, I thank you for having this, this chat, Rob, because, you know, most people that come into the gym would never hear my voice other than when I'm yelling, you know, stuff across the court to the guys. But for me yeah. to be able to sort of take this forum and say, thanks to, you know, what I call the kill side faithful is, uh, is gold. So we, we appreciate it. So maybe, maybe I'd, I'd finish it there, mate.
0: That's
1: cool. Uh, well, I hope this is uh, part one of many uh, of Pete and Rob chats in the future um, but uh, Killside fans, it's uh, been my absolute pleasure to have a chat to your mvr one men's head coach uh, right here on a Friday night. Uh, and I uh, just would like to say, Pete, thanks for joining me. And uh, I hope you've enjoyed this conversation as much as I have.